Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for his glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Good morning, EST. This is Josh King, and this is the podcast for the Established Church by Established Church Leaders. My, I already said my name, but Micah and Sam are on the line. How are you guys doing? Hey, man. Things are going good. Good. Well, I was good because I had my window in my office open until you complained about it, Josh, and I had to shut my window. So, I'm such a know. mean podcast <laughs> recording guy. Jeez, I hear anything, you got to stop it. I was, I was about to say, are you guys together? What's going no, on? No, no. Before you got on the, before you popped on, I had my window open and I asked Josh how everything sounded and he's like, there's a wind blowing. I said, <laughs> yeah, that's called the breeze. It feels <laughs> awesome. Sam there's knows all about change. the breeze. Is that like Josh, in John chapter three where the wind Josh, will blow where it goes, John, you know, with the Nicodemus and Holy Spirit and was Something did you did you lines. Josh did you t- did you kick the Holy Spirit out of Micah's office? That's that what happened? he did. Apparently That's the Numa the Numa. Sorry, I'm a Baptist. Don't believe oh in Oh my gosh. So anyhow, yeah, please please direct all hate mail to Josh <laughs> King at uh, Second Baptist in Conway, Arkansas. <laughs> it's, a, it's just not going to go anywhere. But thanks for totally butchering my email because otherwise I would get a lot of mail on that. So. We, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit today about the pastor and his personal life. We think sometimes just catching up, I get a lot of direct messages, I know you guys do as well, about different things that we're working on. Just people asking about kind of um, how are you dealing with this, what's going on with that. But the personal side of it, we're going to do another episode on sort of the things that are just happening at West Bradenton and Brainerd and Second Baptist because those are things that we think people are interested in. But we keep hearing from people wanting to know about it. They do. And it doesn't really fit into a show topic. You know, um, the big thing we did yesterday with Feed the Need was really exciting, as well as the drop, which I've got opinions on that. I, I'm getting a lot of – it's not hate mail. It's snark tweets um, coming at us about the drop. And I think that just talking about some of that would be good. But that's next so, episode. That's next episode. So make sure that you tune in next week. But this week – we're talking about our personal lives and uh, I don't know, Sam, you want to kick off the, the topic and, and sort of how pastors balance their personal life and particularly how you do it. Yeah. I mean, my, my surfing career is going great. Um, <laughs> you know, I uh, have the world championships coming up in Australia and uh, I'm, I'm really excited. I, I, you know, ranked number two in the world. I'm really hoping to, uh, to get to that number one spot. You know, the cool thing about being a pastor and a surf champion is that you can claim that they are mission trip scouting trips. And so there uh, you go. the church just pays for you to go to Australia. And, and the joke is, is that, to... that I live on the west coast of Florida and there are absolutely no waves here. So, yeah. right. I was um, going to say, you guys are so full of hot air right now. It's, uh, I'm, I'm warming <laughs> all the way in Chattanooga. I, I, and listen, there's some listener. That is out there going. I think Sam is on a speedo on a surfboard. You know, oh, somebody creepy. just not get that. Let's not get, not, let's not get that sneakers. image. We need a Photoshop picture of Sam in a speedo on a surfboard. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, we do not. Yes, the world is waiting. <laughs> okay, okay, Twitter world, you can you can have me surfing, just not <laughs> in a speedo. Please, let's not do that. Oh, um, although the the Photoshop stuff with uh, Josh, man, with uh, that that Twitter blew up with that was funny. Um, um, and your your social media feed, the mm-hmm. you know the the fireflies flying out of your head, and you know right. just listen. <laughs> for those of you who contributed, this was a while back. For those of you who contributed to that uh, to that Twitter banter, mm-hmm. um, I love you, and it, and it made my day. So Let me you. ask you guys, what do you do uh, for leisure, for like stress relief? How do you what do you guys do? I I run, um, so I'm a runner. I'm not a surfer. I'm a runner. Um, and I probably run, I work out six days a week, every day, but Sunday, um, pretty religious quote unquote about it. It keeps me healthy. It's when I pray. So, um, this I work is Pilates, out. right? That's what you're doing. Yeah. No, Spin class. um, I do have a rhythm, so <laughs> it's not Pilates. Uh, I do lifting and, um, uh, some, uh, treadmill stuff on Mondays, Tuesdays, uh, I, uh, I actually like the insanity stuff. Um, so I do, I do that and I, I run, I run a couple, three miles and then I have three or four days a week when I'm running six to eight to 10 miles. So, um, wow. you know, I, I, I enjoy, so you ask for leisure. That's my leisure time. That's also my prayer time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, sometimes I take the kiddos and put them in the stroller and push them around and, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it's dad time. Uh, but yeah, that that's what I do. That's what I do for leisure. Um, what about you, I live Micah? in Florida. Why not? Why, why not get outside? Right. Yeah. So for me, leisure is um, uh, would be first sort of sports for sure. Like baseball is our big thing at our house, especially. I mean, we love all sports, but baseball is a big deal. We love the Royals. We watch. You know, we have the MLB package. There's 162 games in a season. We probably listen to or watch 130 of those games. I mean, we. We love baseball, love the Royals. In fact, this week we were in Kansas City and went to a Royals game. And so, um, you know, so there's that. And then um, we also love to be outdoors, which in Chattanooga is awesome because we've got incredible outdoors opportunities. And so we uh, hike and camp. That that would be sort of big things for us, I think. And you, you guys, Josh? I just Sorry. saw an article about Chattanooga being like the city that is the quickest turnaround city in like the history of the United States. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, that's exactly. So 45 years ago, Walter Cronkite on the national news said, um, called Chattanooga the dirtiest city in America. And uh, now it is this breathtakingly beautiful, sparkling city. People want to come and hang out here and spend time with their families and outdoor mag. I think it was outdoor magazine. It was, there was an outdoor magazine that named Chattanooga, the number one outdoor city in America, like two or three years in a row. And then they mm-hmm. said, we're just going to stop giving the award because Chattanooga is going to get it every year. And so if you like the outdoors, if you like to hike camp, if you like to hang glide, if you like to rock climb, Chattanooga is your city. It's great for all of those things. And a great minor league baseball team. Mm-hmm. Great. The Chattanooga lookouts. We're now yep. the Cincinnati Reds double A team. We were the Dodgers. We were the twins. Now we're the Reds. Double Fun little town. Yeah. And and baseball is my thing. So that's the other leisure thing that I do is I go to baseball games. But I'm only – I'm 19 miles from Tropicana Field. My house is. Door to door. 19 miles. So I, I, I got to go. I don't blame Sounds you, fun. man. I'd be going – when Tracy and I first got married and we had, we'd, we were married a year, then we moved to Africa, lived there for a year, then came back. So we were in seminary in Kansas City and we didn't have kids yet. 
<clears throat> Royals game was our date night every single uh, every single week. We could pay five bucks for general admission tickets, five bucks for parking, and five bucks for nachos and a drink. So for twenty bucks a week. Now that was almost twenty years ago, and so you can't do <laughs> yeah, it that cheaply anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, we did. That was our date night. My wife loves live baseball maybe more than I do, even, and that's pretty remarkable because I love it. And so we yeah. the respect level for your. I already had a high respect level for your wife. But it just went up. And up I kid you not. We didn't have a TV for a couple of years. We didn't have a TV at all. And she called me and she's like, Micah, we, we need a TV so we can watch football. I said, are you sure? She said, I'm not kidding. We need a TV. Go find the biggest, nicest one you can so we can watch football. And I, I literally, she said that. I, I was living in Nashville at the time. She hadn't moved yet. I, I, I put up the phone and within two hours, I was back installing it in my house. <laughs> <laughs> Still the same TV in our, front, in our living room right now, so as a matter fun. of fact. So fun. So for me, one of the most leisure things that I enjoy doing is mowing the yard. I really, really enjoy taking care of the grass and um, figuring out, you know, when to do all the weed, when to do all the feed, doing all of that edging. I just love it. It's something that's really soothing for me and enjoyable. I think it's because I was talking to a friend of mine who installs air conditioners and he hates mowing the yard, hates it, and uh, which is crazy to me because of how much I love it. And I think that we both decided because he does manual labor all day and uh, he's outside, he's sweating, those sort of things. When he gets home, he wants to go inside, sit down, those sort of things. But but a good chunk of my day, even when I'm meeting with people, is sitting and, and talking and, and uh, you know, those sort of things. That's a good chunk of I'm not very active throughout the day. So that's why I enjoy mowing and um, also the running and those sort of things like uh, Sam, you do. But also, I think that there's an element to mowing the yard that I like because it's real short. The project starts, you know, and about an hour and a half, two hours later, it's done and it looks the way I want it to. You know, it, it's it's not as long and stretched out as pastoral ministry projects are where you you start an idea here. You've got to go through a couple committee or team meetings. There's um, funding. You know, those things take months and months and months before you see the thing finish. And so I really enjoy that aspect of it. There's no fight. There's no uh, pushback. I just mow the yard, you know? So what kind of, what it. kind of weed eater do you use? I have this DeWalt uh, electric. It's a uh, battery operated. Uh, man, you need to go get you a two cycle, like no, real man into the new <laughs> I, have, I have both. So, you know, I don't know what that does for you. I have the two cycle, <laughs> big, huge gas one, and I have the electric one. I so. hate the gas ones. I hate mixing all that. And I kid you not, every time I weed or edge, I'll have neighbors walk over and go, what is that? Because it's as strong as a two cycle, but it's super convenient, easy. Got those batteries. So that's also my blower, my um, bush trimmer. All of those are the same little system there. So pop a battery out here, go there. It's perfect. Clean. Hey, nasty. when you come and visit me, mm -hmm. I'll just tell my yard guy to take the month off. Man, I'll do it. I'll do and, it. And and you can you can come mow in the Florida heat because it is nasty. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Everybody thinks their state is prettiest and hottest and coldest. <laughs> Everybody well, thinks that. That's true. Tennessee just happens to actually be the prettiest state. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I'll give, I've not been to Arkansas much. I've, I've, I've seen only parts of it, but I've lived in Tennessee for three years. And I will say that, um, that it is quite a, quite a beautiful state. It is a I prefer state. the east side of Tennessee as opposed yeah, to that's the true. west side. And I'm not, I'm not knocking on those of you who 
are in the east. <laughs> uh, live in the west. Or in the west, right. I, I you know, I, I lived in West Kentucky for a little while too. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I'm I'm partial there. But yeah, the East Tennessee is is really spectacular. It's quite beautiful. Tennessee and um, Arkansas are flipped. So the closer you get to the Mississippi, uh, it gets looking the same for both of our states. And the further out you get, it looks pretty similar. It's just that Tennessee goes much further and um, they get much more into mountains. But kind of where I am is dead center of the state. And so it's very pretty. Of course, it's called the natural state for a reason. And um, if you're ever just kind of curious about the beauty of Arkansas, one Instagram account I think captures it is called the Buffalo River or Buffalo Outdoor Center. If you look at that stuff, you'll just, you're amazed. I've shown it to a couple of different people who, you know, they've been through Arkansas or they've been around Arkansas and they're just like, I I had no idea um, that this was Whitaker Point. If you look that up, you'll just be amazed at how beautiful Arkansas really is. It's one of those things I, I kind of joke with people because everybody, everybody hates on Arkansas. A good friend, um, a member here at the church said, uh, Arkansas is a real great state. We just have a real bad PR problem. And uh, I think that's exactly true. But it's one of those kind of things that once you see it, you won't believe it until you see it. But once you see it, you're just kind of like amazed at how beautiful Arkansas really is. And so, uh, it's kind of cool. Let me ask, let me ask a practical question. Um, what, what do you guys do to guard your personal time? Because that, that's got to be one of the biggest problems in ministry is is actually guarding that that person. Yeah. Time. So so let me. I think about this maybe a little bit differently than I think a lot of people do, um, and maybe I don't do this well. I don't know. Uh, so I don't. I don't think of. Um, I don't think of my personal time and my work time in terms of, and I've, we've talked about this a little bit before, but I don't think of it in terms of balance. Like I'm not trying to balance work time and personal time. I think of it in terms of rhythms. And so, um, what I mean by that is I'm not looking at every week saying, okay, did I get enough time, family time, enough time, work time this week? Uh, what I'm doing instead is, um, is trying to, um, understand that there are rhythms in the life of my family and there are rhythms in the life of my church. And so right now, for instance, a rhythm in the life of my family is that I have three, well, my son will be a teenager in less than a year. So I'm really close to having three teenagers in my home. They play sports that demands more of my time. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give my, my family more time than if we were empty nesters and, and we're able to do that. Right. So that's a rhythm and that's a reality of where I'm at. I also recognize that there are rhythms in my church life that are going to require me from time to time to simply be more committed than I, I'm going to have to give the church more time for a couple of weeks than I might normally during a typical time. That's okay. My family understands that when I have down, when I have, you know, seasons in the church where there is downtime, then I'm going to take advantage of that. And I'm going to really just sort of for a week or two, I'm just not going to worry a whole lot about the church. I'm going to focus on my family. That's the rhythm of our church life and the rhythm of our family life. I'll be honest with you. I think rhythm, I think sort of trying to keep balance all the time creates a lot of frustration because almost no one ever is able to accomplish it. That rhythms helps alleviate that. You know, when I understand this is a busy time, we just get that and we run towards it and we embrace it. When I understand this is a family time, we run towards it and I embrace it and helping the church understand that. I would say one of the things that helps me though, maintain some balance is, um, I don't make scheduling decisions um, a whole lot by myself. 
So, and I realize this can be tougher if you're in a single staff church and you don't mm-hmm. have an assistant, but even like uh, when I have commitments to go on a mission trip or go to a speaking event, I don't make those on my own. I have an assistant and my wife, and then I have a couple of people who are close friends that I cycle that request through and I, I let them really kind of make the decision for me. If it's something I feel strongly about, I'll say to them, I think this is a mission trip I ought to go on, or I, th- I think this is a speaking engagement I ought to take, or I think this is a, you know, they asked me to serve on the associational personnel committee or something like that. I think I ought to do this. Um, if that's the case, I mean, I may, I may tell them, I really think this is something I ought to do, but I let them say to me, look, this is a really busy time. You've got something right before it. You've got something right after it. We think you ought to probably say no to this one. Okay, well, that sounds good. I'm going to accept the collective wisdom of those who are around me and help them and allow them to speak into that and give them freedom to kind of say to me, this is what I think you you ought to do or what would be wise for you to do and, and what's not wise for you to do. So I try not to make decisions in isolation, I guess is part of my question. Mm-hmm. Understand How rhythms. And, right. Understand rhythms and then don't make question, don't make decisions in isolation. I would also think that with that rhythm concept, that's not the concept that I subscribe to or more so it's not the concept that I think I'm wired toward, but... If I was or if some of our listeners were, I would also think that there would be another layer to it um, I would call seasons. Not only do you have your regular yearly kind of rhythms like you're talking about, but there's also just going to be seasons in which during the teenage years, when your kids are teenagers, you're going to be more pulled that direction. But then obviously when y'all are empty nesters, you're going to have much more time that you can invest in that direction. And then when you have grandkids, so there's like these over bigger arching seasons of life which are okay to think through and just say, this is the season I'm in. And so this is what I'm going to be doing right now as a, as a, as a leader of a church. And then um, later on, it'll, it'll adjust a little bit and my rhythms will shift, right? I mean, I would imagine that that would be a different layer for that. Yeah. One of the things I do is I just, I schedule my family time and, and that make me, may make me seem like an OCD kind of ogre. But, um, you know, Saturdays, I've made it very clear to the church, like, that is the day that I'm with my family because um, I work six days a week and I just let people know um, mm-hmm. that, you know, that's a, that's a, now if a funeral comes up or a wedding, obviously I can plan around that. I can make my family day Friday, but um, I've just made it ultra clear to the church, ultra clear to the staff that, you know, unless it's something major, you know, I'm not available on Saturday. Yeah. And then throughout the week, I just make sure I schedule the family time as well. And the good thing about that is if it's if the family has the first priority in my calendar, um, which I try to do, won't say that I'm 100% successful, but then everything else just gets worked around it. Um, and thankfully, I've got a wife that accommodates that and she's able to, to handle that. And Aaron does a good job of, of knowing that you know I'm kind of a slave to my calendar. But mm-hmm. um, if I get it on the schedule and then I can just work around it. So, if I want to take a trip or do something with the family, I just, I just make sure that it's scheduled way out and, um, you know, I can, I can work around it. So, that's how I guard my time is, yeah. you know, it's already on my calendor. So, first come, first serve kind of basis on the calendar, family gets first choice. Yeah, I would say if I can add that, um, Sam, that's what I do that same thing too. I'm religious about my calendar. If it's not on my calendar, it doesn't happen. And two people have access to my calendar. I mean, to make changes to my calendar, my assistant, and my wife. And so not only is my wife understanding, like she gets to, she can go on there anytime she want and block out time. She's, she can say, Hey, we need time for a date or, Hey, you know, you and I need to go do X, Y, Z for you know, for the kids or whatever the case might be. And so giving my wife access to my calendar and giving her freedom to add to it and my assistant as well has been a huge game changer for me. 
I've got a a couple of inputs on that, but before I share those with you, I wanted to let our listeners know about um, the Daily Discipleship Guide. One of the greatest predictors of a disciple's spiritual growth is regular Bible reading. That's why Lifeway created the Daily Discipleship Guide. This new resource in the Bible Studies for Life family contains content for a weekly group of Bible study, but it also includes five daily devotions to reinforce what was learned in the group meeting. And that daily commitment to reading God's Word helps create a habit that leads to discipleship. To download four free sessions of the Daily Discipleship Guide, visit BibleStudiesForLife.com slash DDG. That's BibleStudiesForLife.com slash DDG. So for my scheduling and how I protect my personal time is I'm, I've am i learned over time just getting to know myself more is I'm really wired towards the concept of discipline. So I, I think that some of this had to do with being a Navy brat. Both of my parents were military. And so not only having just a scheduled discipline time, but also just disciplines on these are the things, these are the disciplines I want to create within my life. And so uh, the exercising, the reading my personal um, time in the Bible, the study and those sort of things, these are the disciplines that I create. And one of those big disciplines for us, which I know is different for other pastors, but it, I don't think it's good nor bad either way you go. But we have a, a discipline at our church and in my staff that at when it's time to stop, you stop. You literally stop. Everybody go home. And so regularly I will walk through the office and say, everybody, you know, let, let's shut it down. And um, trying to create that, I also am very disciplined on making sure everybody's there on time, within reason. Now, this doesn't mean other people, you know, some of our more, I don't know, free thinkers, you know, creative types, they'll, they'll have a little bit slightly different schedules. They'll go off. Meetings may start off campus. What we want to do is freedom with accountability. And that's kind of the concept we do here. But one of those undergirding principles is this. I do not, if it's after quote unquote business hours, office hours. Um, I will not call you. I will not ask you to do any work. I, you have the right to refuse after that point. And there may be short or very, very few occasions. I always say that, but in eight years, I can't think of a single time I've ever called somebody after quote unquote office hours to say, let's make this adjustment. Let's do this. <laughs> it's always when it's four thirty. You go home. So people are going to love working for you. I, I can't remember the last week I didn't call somebody for hours. <laughs> <laughs> I can. I will not do it. You have the right of refusal. We always say I that work. now. There's times I might send some out, and you can say, "Yeah, I'll help with that," or "Yeah, I'm free. I'll go do that." Otherwise, my my philosophy is, if I need it after hours, I've got to do it myself. So I've got to figure out how to run that machine or get myself into yeah. that room or something like that. No, I'm I'm a bit of a workaholic, and I work. After hours, I work weekends, I work all the time. Like when I'm at home, I have to be very careful because I, I like to work. I just like to work. I like it a lot. Me and too. so I'll contact people after hours. But I, I don't think – I think that is a good point that you make, Josh. Like I'll contact people after hours, but I don't expect generally uh, you've got to get something done. Like you can wait until tomorrow or you know whatever the next yeah. business day or office day is, something along so, those lines. So, and the way that I handle that is if I send you an email, you know, it, it means get to this – when the next time you're in the office. Yeah, I'm yeah. similar, Sam. If I send you a text, it, typically it means, hey, this is this is urgent. I need you to look at this now. Um, so that I've made my staff aware of that. Mm -hmm. like, you know, if I send you an email and it's Saturday at, you know, 2 p.m., just wait till Monday. I mean, it's not, it's not an urgent thing. But if I need you to get to something immediately, 
I'm going to send you a text. And so I think that having, you know, creating those parameters, if, if you lead a staff, I think it'd be good to create those uh, creation, uh, communication parameters mm-hmm. um, to help the, to help your staff understand what's urgent, what's not urgent. Do you need me to jump back into the office right now? I mean, because um, there's going to be times when you have to do that, but you want them to be more rare, yeah. uh, not the norm. Um, in fact, if your staff is always in crisis mode, then you're you're, you're not leading, um, right? You know, you're just being selfish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you you not only do you have to guard your own personal time as a pastor. If you have a staff, you need to you need to guard their personal time too, because you know if you're, I mean, if you're a boss man, I mean, I hate to say it, um, you 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 know they they kind of have to they they have to uh, you have more people who are trying to acquiesce to your schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to make sure that you're also guarding the schedule of people around you. Yeah, it's just a personal philosophy of mine. And so I'm not going to do it. I don't want you to do it to me. We call it rest with abandon. Work hard. When it's time to work, you work hard and everybody's busting their tail and we're going to work hard together. Uh, There's a lot of synergy, Um, quick, short meetings. We don't have long, prolonged meetings because what we call it is redeeming the time. So we've really thought through all of these principles or disciplines that help us redeem the time. And some of those things flesh out like not you're not allowed to have a cell phone or your computer in staff meetings unless you're using that for your calendar. Um, and and it sounds real rigid. It sounds like I'm just like this, uh, you know, Nazi. Um, it's it's playful. I have a Nerf gun a lot of times, and if your phone rings, I'll shoot you with the Nerf gun, and because um, it's just it's not allowed in there. And so we have those sort of things. If there's a family emergency, you're allowed to bring your cell phone in just in case somebody gets a call. But what it is, it's more disciplines and not so much rules. It's These are the, the ways that we redeem the time. At 4.30, though, go home. Everybody go home. Relax. There's always, always more work to do. Now, like you guys, though, a lot of evenings, um, particularly after my wife goes to sleep, I will do a lot of studying and reading and, and sermon prepping in the evenings. I look over spreadsheets and numbers and those sort of things um, in the evenings because I really, really honestly do enjoy what I do and love it. It's not a burden to me, but got to build those disciplines in so that it doesn't become my whole life and rob my kids, my wife, or I'm not robbing uh, my staff's spouses of their time, you know, as well. So those are some ways that I guard it. We don't have a whole lot of time left in the episode, but what I would say or what I would ask you guys to kind of close out the thought is what would you say to the church leaders, the established church leaders who say, I've got too much to do. Like, that sounds great for you guys because you have staff. Um, What would you say about that personal time for just anybody who just whatever their excuse is for not guarding it or not having it? Well, how would you respond to that? Yeah, particularly for the bivocational pastor, I feel for, um, you know, those who are, you know, you know, jumping between what amounts to two or if not three jobs. Um, So I, I know that we'll have some listeners who are like vacation personal time mm-hmm. what you know i have a family of six and I'm, I'm a bivocational pastor i don't have a staff um and and that's where equipping becomes extraordinarily important that you equip the people around you and it may take time you may not be in a place right now but uh in order to free up more time so that you can have more personal time you have to equip people around you um and and i know that's more of a long ball game than it is you know a short-term fix but uh, but in the short term, the, you know, you need to take every, if you're in that place of, I just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm needing the time you'll burn yourself out. You mm-hmm. need to figure out a way, um, to, to take that time, even if it comes at a cost, um, you know, your own soul is, you know, don't sacrifice your own soul, uh, for the three people in the church that, 
want you to work 120 hours a week. Right. Um, you've, you've, you, it may mean that you take some heat to, if you take some time, but you need to take that time. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would say a couple things. First, um, this is going to sound awful, but I have a book that literally the manuscript is being submitted to Moody Press today and uh, will be out in January that deals with this exact topic. It's a whole book built around Ephesians 4, and I start the book talking about how I was a bivocational pastor at a small church and how I failed in this regard and did not do well and kept on assuming more and more responsibility. So I'll, there's a little plug a few months out. But having said that- Hey, we should do a whole episode on that when it comes out. I didn't even know you were writing the book. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's due, uh, the manuscript's due today. So should be in Well, you better get started on that. Well, you know, <laughs> I got to get a little work done. It's like the sermon. I mean, I've got the Sunday school hour to write the sermon. Listen, so, you know. <laughs> Micah, Micah, it takes a long time to copy and paste off I'm the internet. I'm telling you, man. So- <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, some combination of Tim Keller and Andy Stanley. I'm just doing the best, throwing a little J.D. Greer in there. Oh, God. <laughs> Is your pseudonym Andy Kelly? Yes, that's exactly. Andy Keller, that's what I'm trying to say. Andy Keller, yes. So, but anyway, I would would agree with Sam 100%. It is building an equipping culture, um, leveling the church, trying to destroy the clergy-lady divide, if if at all possible. And and there's more to be said there, but Sam's already said a lot of that well. Um, Beyond that, I would say, um, if I could expand on Sam's point, when when he said take rest one of the things that i think it's your dad sam has said that we underestimate what can be done in 10 years and overestimate what can be done in 5 years is that right absolutely yeah yeah, yeah somebody Some, said it i'm sure my dad i'm sure my dad captured it and more people heard it he from borrowed him it, but, yeah, or used yeah. it but anyway but here's the point i think a lot of us who struggle with i've got a ton to do are often younger pastors Rather, and it's not always true. There are some older pastors who can struggle with it as well. And all of us have more to do than we can get done. I don't care whether you're full-time bivocational, it doesn't matter. All of us have more to do than you can get done. I think there is, however, with maturity, this awareness that there's never going to be a time when I can ever get everything done. Mm -hmm. And so you have to prioritize and prioritizing sounds awesome. Here's what it means. It means you're going to have to look at some things that are good things that you want to get done and just decide not to do them. Yeah. And not just say no. Let's say what it is. You have to decide not to do them. They're not mm-hmm. going to get done. And uh, and so that's the really hard part. We all talk about prioritizing. Okay, that's great. I'm going to make more. It means there are going to be some things that aren't going to get done. And you're going to feel guilty about that. And you're going to struggle with it. I'll tell you, I think prioritization and, and saying no, the biggest issue is processing and managing your own guilt, uh, feeling like you are not doing enough. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not giving you permission to be a lazy pastor, and there are those out there, and I don't want you to be that person. I'm just saying you've got to be willing to recognize, and, and getting back to my point of recognizing that in a five or 10-year period, there's more you can do. You're going to have to not let some, you're going to have to let some things go and not do those things, but while recognizing that you can take certain things now, you can take certain things later, and if you be faithful over a long period of time, it's going to get done, and you can have a robust holistic ministry. It just all won't be done right now. Yeah, I would just add the times that I felt like I couldn't get everything done, it was because I was comparing. This is personal. I was comparing myself and my church to other people's churches, and I thought, I've got to get all of these things done to make it sort of a valid church. And it was my wife who reminded me and said, you know, you don't have to do all of those things you're stressed out about. Like, you have to love these people, preach Sunday, and very little more than that. That's what you have to do. But... We add all of these events and conferences and things and, you know, generating our own um, platforms. Sometimes that was me. That's what I struggled with. So I would encourage people who feel like I don't have time to rest. It may be because you put all your time in things that you didn't really actually have to do. Totally guilty. I'm absolutely 100 percent guilty. So that's all the time we have for today. Before I let you go, I want to ask, have you listened to the One Thing podcast with Scott Sanders and Derek Hanna recently? 
As a part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network family, they've recently covered topics like religion in 2019, best practice, church administration, and understanding your church members. Just look up The One Thing on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. That's all the time we have. We'll catch you next week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. EST is proud to be a part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network.